0: Radioactive plugs you into the community weeknights at six. I'm Laura Jones and your support means Radioactive can keep passing the mic to people and nonprofits making a difference, like Fridays for Future Climate Strikers.
1: Uproot the system basically means that we want to reorganize and drastically change the political, social, and economic systems.
0: Radiothon starts October 29th. Help us to keep plugging you into the community by making your donation online at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones, and it's time now for Radioactive, plugging you into a community of grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives weeknights at 6. Tonight on the show, we're going to meet the DJ again. Stay tuned to find out more about Ivone Nash, host of Tala Cola, Sunday nights from 10 to midnight, one of the longest-running programs on KRCL, by the way. Poetry Still Happens with Trish Hopkinson of Rock Canyon Poets tonight. We're getting ready to publish our Poems of Summer chapbook, thanks to some great submissions from folks. So stick around to hear a couple of them because we asked everybody to send in a recording of their poem as well. And coming up next, a group that wants to put a moratorium on mosquito pesticide spraying and the tax increase proposed to keep doing the spraying. All in the capital city. That's up next. New census data is out, and it's that once-in-a-decade time to redraw political boundaries. Find interactive tools and a schedule of public hearings online at uirc.utah.gov.
2: Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Thanks for listening to Radioactive tonight, everybody.
0: And yes, Radiothon is coming up October 29th. Your support means Radioactive gets to keep passing the microphone in the community and hearing about all the good trouble everybody's getting up to. Like my first guest tonight, Dr. Brian Mensch of Utah Physicians for a Healthy Environment. Yesterday, the local nonprofit and some national experts made a presentation to the Salt Lake City Council's working group asking them to adopt a moratorium on mosquito pesticide spraying. By the Salt Lake City Mosquito Abatement District, there's also a tax increase being proposed for next year to expand the work that they do, and he wants that to be put on hold as well. I caught up with Dr. Mensch earlier today to find out more.
3: Thank you, Laura. Um, we are very concerned about what it amounts to—a a relic of the 1950s in terms of a strategy to control mosquitoes. And we yesterday when we made a presentation to the Salt Lake City Council. We listed 10 reasons why we need to do better and uh, establish a different approach, safer for public health and actually more effective in controlling mosquitoes, as well as uh, West Nile virus, which is the primary issue of concern with regard to mosquito-transmitted diseases. Yeah, it's right here
0: every season. It pops up, first sighting of West Nile in uh, the Wasatch Front, and let's get the spraying going. But uh, your group says we've kind of set it and forget it.
3: Well, exactly. Let's talk about uh, West Nile virus to, to put it in the context of this strategy. West Nile virus arrived in the United States in about 1999 and the incidence increased and peaked in around 2002, 2003. I believe in that time frame, the United States had about, oh, maybe the neighborhood of 10,000 cases. But ever since then, the cases nationally and locally in the state of Utah has steadily decreased. And simultaneously, populations of mosquitoes have increased. Now, experts predicted within a few years after the arrival of West Nile virus, that in fact, gradual herd immunity would make the incidence of West Nile virus decrease. And in fact, that's the pattern that we've seen. Ever since 2003, the average number of West Nile virus cases in the entire state has been around 23 cases a year and averaging about one fatality. But in the last 10 years, the number of cases in the state have been in the, usually in the range of, of single digits. And usually we don't even have a single case of, of a fatality from West Nile virus. Last year, we only had two cases in the whole state and no fatalities. This year we've had a little bit of a spike but still under that uh, 17 year average. So, let's put that in context. Is that are, are those numbers representative of a real serious public health crisis?
0: Well, some would say that those numbers show success for the spraying program. Why does your group think it isn't?
3: Well, there is evidence in fact that shows that communities that spray Pesticides for control of mosquitoes actually have a higher rate of West Nile virus cases per 100,000 population than communities that don't spray. And then when you combine that with all the evidence that mosquitoes are developing resistance to chemicals, pesticides in particular, and that's found globally, it's been going on for decades, everyone recognizes it. Uh, but yet we still persist in using these chemicals that we know the mosquitoes are getting resistant to it. And there are other issues like the fact that pesticide spraying increase or excuse me, uh, actually affects the predators of mosquitoes more than the mosquitoes. So the end result is studies have shown things like this that areas where mosquitoes have been sprayed actually have twice as many, mosquitoes as areas that haven't been sprayed. That study was done by a researcher at Utah State University. Other studies have shown that uh, mosquitoes that have been sprayed eventually tolerate 10 times as much pesticide as mosquito populations that haven't been sprayed. So if you, if you add that up, here is the overall message in terms of mosquito resistance. Mosquito uh, pesticide spraying does not re- decrease mosquito populations long-term, is losing its effectiveness short-term, and by that I mean just a matter of a few days, and probably has become counterproductive. And then there's other evidence that in fact, uh, pesticide spraying does accomplishes what we call pesticide priming, which mean as, means as mosquitoes become resistance to the, resistant to the pesticides, they also simultaneously genetically adapt to other stressors such that they can survive other ecological stresses better because of the pesticides they were exposed to.
0: It's the whole roundup uh, argument all over again, but with whatever the toxin is that we use in our mosquito abatement district, which exists to, uh, you know, spray mosquitoes. So you brought some national experts with you to the... Salt Lake City Council working group meeting yesterday. How were you all received? Uh, is the city prepared to take a look at why we have this district and um, whether or not we still need to do it?
3: The uh, members of the council seemed like they were very receptive to what we presented to them and the and the testimony of the experts that we brought. And we brought uh, a researcher from NYU who's one of who's a nationally, if not internationally, acclaimed researcher on chemical exposures, environmental toxins in children's health. And we brought someone who conducts the uh, mosquito abatement program in Boulder City, Colorado, and they are able to do that without the use of pesticides. So uh, her testimony was critical in demonstrating to the council that in fact, there are ways to control mosquito populations without the use of these pesticides. I think everyone would recognize that Less pesticides is better across the board, but we also need to to see evidence. And in fact, we can do it without pesticides and it's safer.
0: How would we do it without pesticides, Dr. Mench?
3: Well, that's what her testimony was all about. And I'm not qualified to, to uh, discuss all those because I'm not an ecologist, but she emphasized that there are a couple of things that are de-emphasized by programs that rely on pesticides. And one is Pesticides actually are a death knell to biodiversity. Biodiversity is maintaining biodiversity is critical to actually controlling mosquito populations. And in fact, there are a number of studies that show that the more uh, biodiverse an ecosystem, the better control there are of pest insect insects like mosquitoes. And then um, an, another part of their program is that they have very select surveillance. Now I know that Salt Lake City Mosquito Bay District also conducts surveillance, but not really with the same goal in mind. So uh, the strategy involves um, maintaining an ecosystem that is as undisturbed by human impact as possible. Now this actually relates to the inland port because the inland port, is obviously looming a, a looming construction bonanza slash disaster for that same area. But what what number a number of studies have found that in addition to biodiversity, any sort of human disruption of of vast landscapes also makes it easier for mosquitoes to breed. Mosquitoes can breed in just about anything. Garbage, trash, urban areas, anywhere there's a little bit of water. But they don't compete as well in natural landscapes. So maintaining biodiversity and maintaining natural landscapes are two critical impo- components of maintaining control of mosquito populations without the use of chemicals.
0: Right now, the, uh, the mosquito abatement district sprays, what, 170,000 acres And you say that also contributes to our air pollution problems.
3: Well, that even that even underestimates it. They they conduct aerial spraying by planes and drones over 170,000 acres. That's a massive uh, land area. But they're also spraying uh, by trucks and backpacks. And that's also being done by neighboring counties like Davis County. So the aerial spraying is one thing, but uh, that's not the the entirety of the problem. It's all this other spraying as well. Um, now in addition to in addition to that, they also use larvicides, which are are thought to be more benign and probably are, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't think that in fact that uh, larvicides like BTI, even though it's a natural bacterium, are totally benign because there's plenty of studies that show that even that sort of thing is harmful to the ecosystem in general. So there are multiple components of toxic interventions that are that are engaged in by typical mosquito abatement districts, and, and ours engages in all of those things.
0: Now, last night or yesterday afternoon with the Salt Lake City Council Working Group discussing this issue, what did you ask of them in terms of really considering the oversight or lack thereof when it comes to public health and these toxins?
3: It is, it is very distressing to us that... Uh, a public policy can be formulated and conducted by people who don't have the expertise to understand the consequences of what they're doing. And frankly, there is not that expertise within the Salt Lake City Mosquito Abatement District. They do not have anyone who's an expert really on public health, environmental toxins, or toxicology. They do not have anyone that actually seems to understand or seems to be interested in understanding what the impacts are to human health.
0: that's where the city council needs to be held accountable then.
3: Well, someone needs to be be conducting oversight over these kinds of decisions. And right now there isn't any oversight. So the idea that we can have someone who may be a smart person, like the director of of the mosquito abatement district is, and he has a PhD in entomology, but he's not a public health expert. And when we presented this extensive 70 page report to them, with 300 references, establishing hundreds of medical studies showing the toxicity of pesticides, especially to brain development for uh, infants and fetuses. They just dismissed it. They they did not entertain any of the evidence that we provided them. It was a report signed by 13 physicians who um, have significant expertise in environmental issues, but they dismissed all of it. So I I would categorize that, and I did yesterday, as a failure of public policy to allow someone to have that kind of influence over the public health of hundreds of thousands of people without the expertise to really make that decision.
0: And the city council has the power to make these changes to the uh, Mosquito Abatement District?
3: Well, that's a good question. Nobody seems to know. The city council does appoint members of the board and I asked the question yesterday, well, does that mean you have the authority to dismiss them or, for ask, or to ask for their resignation? And they weren't sure about that, but it seems logical that if you have the authority to appoint somebody, you also have the authority to remove them. Now, we're not asking for that yet, but if the Mosquito Abatement District continues to ignore all of the medical science that we have been delivering them, and um, they do not adjust their practices, we may very well get to the point where we ask for their resignation.
0: So what are the next steps here? I mean, this was an informational uh, encounter, shall we say, between Utah Physicians for a Healthy Environment, the Salt Lake City Council, regarding the Salt Lake City Mosquito Abatement District. So what comes next, and what is it that you would like the public to know or do?
3: The district, is asking for, or not asking for, they're basically announcing that they're going to levy a near 100% increase in people's property taxes to cover uh, their operations uh, beginning in 2022. Now, a lot of that increase in uh, costs is related to pesticide use. And because of the uh, looming opening of the prison and the inland port, we anticipate that if this strategy is not adjusted, they're going to be doing even more spraying, more often using more chemicals to try and satisfy what is an ill-conceived uh, intent on the part of developers to make that area friendly for, for human activity. And with all the mosquitoes and insects there, that's gonna be very difficult. In fact, it's gonna be impossible. So it, it really, creates an an untenable situation, but it will be made more untenable if we ramp up pesticide spraying even further. And so asking for a tax increase on homeowners throughout uh, Salt Lake City to pay for even more pesticide spraying to us is unconscionable. So uh, there will be a public hearing, I think it's on December the 16th, uh, required by law, that uh, the district will hold with regard to their proposed tax increase. We are asking the public to oppose that. We're asking the council to oppose that. We're asking everyone involved to oppose that because we do not want more funding going to more pesticide spraying.
0: And that is just the money side of this equation when it comes to the taxes to pay for it. What is it that you're now asking Salt Lake City Council members and the mayor to consider uh, on this toxic question?
3: We, we asked them to support us in our request for a two-year moratorium on pesticide spraying. Uh, and in fact, uh, someone brought up after the fact that maybe a good way to do that would be ask uh, the council to s- support or sign a resolution and offer it to the district to say, we do not support pesticide spraying. We support the idea of enacting a two-year moratorium on that practice. So that's probably what where we're gonna go next.
0: Well, that's interesting because it also suggests a suggestion, not a a ruling. And again, who calls the shots well, over the, the, the Mosquito Bay yeah. District?
3: The, the the council really does not have uh, if you call it regulatory veto over the practice of the district, other than perhaps, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, who they appoint to the to the board. And the purse strings and the purse strings. But they can certainly make their preferences known. And uh, that can also come from the mayor's office as well.
0: Dr. Mensch, where can people read this report that you submitted to the city council and all the data underpinning the claims that you're making?
3: Our 70-page report is available on our website. We actually just recently updated it and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll update the version on our website to take that into account. Now, we have highlighted in yellow all of the the important points of that 70 page report, which would condense it down to about eight pages. So that's where people can read it. But uh, if eight pages is too long, then then we can make another condensed version. But we want people to understand that this is a serious health hazard. It isn't necessary. It isn't helpful. It's probably counterproductive. It probably even is counterproductive in controlling West Nile virus. So it's really time to stop it. It's a a relic of the 1950s and we really need to do better. Uh, I tried to summarize part of the health issue with this statement that it makes no sense to expose hundreds of thousands of people to known neurotoxic chemicals in a vain attempt to prevent a different neurologic disease to a few dozen people.
0: Dr. Brian Mensch of Utah Physicians for a Healthy Environment. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the group and the report it submitted to the City Council yesterday. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up next, Poetry Still Happens and our Poems of Summer Chapbook. Oh, hey, KRCL
4: volunteers. Have you missed hanging out under the tent, chatting people up about their favorite shows on KRCL, or just missed lugging 40-pound weights around? Trust me, we'll get there again. But in the meantime, if giving back to your community radio station is something that makes you happy, boy, do we have an opportunity for you. Fall Radiothon starts October 29th, but you don't have to wait until then to donate. Visit krcl.org to donate right now. Thanks! And oh yeah, tell a friend, or two, or three...
0: I'm Laura Jones, and this is Radioactive. Earlier this summer, you may recall, you helped out with Radioactive's Songs of Summer project. In fact, you can still see the entire playlist. I've still got it up at krcl.org. Just search for Songs of Summer. That project also inspired Poems of Summer with my next guest, Trish Hopkinson. Poetry still happens. Joining me by the magic of Zoom and the Internet. How are you doing, Trish? I'm doing well. How are you? I've been wondering how things are going with our uh, poems of summer call. I think we extended the deadline and then, you know what, fall hit. (laughs) So it's time to update folks on what we've got going on and share some poetry and uh, let folks know they've been accepted or or not.
2: Yep, absolutely. And and we did get a a, a pretty good response. We have uh, pulled together uh, the manuscript to be turned into a chapbook. Many of those poets included recordings. Actually, I would say all of them, I think, did. Everyone followed the instructions splendidly. (laughs) Shocking. So so it's in the works. Um, We will be sending out official acceptances uh, later this week. And uh, next, it's off to print.
0: So we are working on the art, and in fact, we might even ask for some arts uh, to go with some of the poems. I don't know. I here's the biggest problem I have with creative endeavors, including this darn show, is there's nothing I can't make so big it can't happen. <laughs>
2: so <laughs> I will reign. Well, it in. we we'll get the chat book out. Yeah, we definitely need to work on the cover. I would say I'll reign you in a little bit Great. and just help you out, and let's let's stick just with do the, do the cover. cover.
0: Great. Let's stick with the cover. I'm good with stick uh, but, figures. I'll get it done.
2: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, we, you know, we got we had a really great variety of poems. We got a lot of poems about uh, Utah landscape, which I loved, uh, several poems that were themed really specifically uh, to this summer. And um, others that were, you know, we got a few that were really pandemic specific, but now i I was a little concerned that they would all be pandemic specific, <laughs> and they weren't. We had a really, really lovely variety, and they definitely will represent uh you know people and and how we felt the last year and um, whether we've spent a lot of time in nature or or whether it's you know how we worked through you know homeschooling kids and other interesting changes that have occurred to us um since the pandemic hit. So did you at any anyway, rate it's a it's a great collection. Did you find the
0: summer at all inspiring? Are we going to get something from you in this chat book? Because I know we've talked about do we or don't we include a creator's work in it, but I always love showcasing what you do, Trish.
2: I, I actually did include a poem. It's it's an older poem, but it, um, it's very much about summer in my youth and um, summer as a, a teenager. And uh, I thought it added kind of a... An, a nice variety too. We did, we did have some poems that were written, you know, in the last year or so that were about summers past. So it was nice to include a few of those. So, so you do have one of mine in there and, um, I'm going to leave it a mystery for today. <laughs> uh, and, um, <laughs> people will need to, to, uh, watch for the chapbook book and make sure to get a copy so that they can read some, some of the amazing work from the Utah poets that really put their hearts and souls into it. Now, we do have three
0: recorded poems to share with folks on tonight's show. What's this first one we're going to hear?
2: This first one, it just aligned with the theme so perfectly. This is a poem by Austin Anderson. He's uh, out of Provo. He actually happens to be a Rock Canyon poet. And uh, this poem's entitled Late Summer.
4: A blue-black-backed magpie picks at the vinyl above the sun-grayed porch. Grease has stained the patio beneath a rusted grill. There are weeds in the garden. There are gopher mounds in the grass. A dirt patch in arc around the broken sprinkler. A girl kicks a pink ball against the fence, fingers the leaves of the oak tree. When she runs, a jumble of red and blue and yellow lines on a denim jumper. She turns her head. Dad, do you see me running? Dad, do you see the monarch lifted in a breeze on some sun-soaked spiral staircase, orange and black wings like paper, butterfly hefted on a hot desert breath? I've forgotten butterflies, standing barefoot at noon in last week's lawn clippings. Which is to say, I've traded them. A painted lady for PowerPoint, a common blue for bookings, annual recurring revenue, and a formula in a cell I'll write again and again and again Over the window well we've put a grate. Over the windows, drapes. The oak leaves in sway now only in suggestion. In the second grade, we bred butterflies. Egg to caterpillar to chrysalis. And fed them sugar water in paper bowls and paper houses kept inside our classroom. The airflow, a manufactured constant falling from the ceiling vents. I see you, dear daughter. And for now... I see the butterflies, too. This is Austin Anderson and my poem, Late Summer.
0: Austin Anderson, one of the selected poems for the forthcoming Poems of Summer from Radioactive and Poetry Still Happens with Trish Hopkinson, my guide for this segment. Hey, Trish, we got to give we got to give some snaps here. So Austin feels the love coming from the show. Okay?
2: yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So if you just tuned in, we're talking about Poems of Summer. It's a project that Trish and I announced over the summer during the show as we were doing Songs of Summer. We thought, why not ask for poems from folks, new uh, novice poets, experienced poets. Just send us anything that relates to summer. And we're sharing a couple of the recordings that were sent in along with most of the written submissions. Right, Trish?
2: Yes. Yes, we did. We actually received recordings uh, from everyone that submitted. We got a great group. And I'm pretty excited about the chat book. There's there's still a few things happening. uh, You know, of course, some things have gone back to in-person occasionally, uh, like Speak for Yourself Open Mic, downtown Provo. I think it's the third Thursday of every month they're actually doing in-person. The rest of the time they are still virtual. But you can find out information about all the other poetry happenings, uh, things you can find online or in-person at rockcanyonpoets.com.
0: And of course, there is some poetry happening as part of the Utah Humanities Book Festival. We'll put a link in tonight's show notes, and you can check that out as well. We've There's still a few things you can yeah. catch there. Yep. We featured some of them on the show already, and it's always a great opportunity to meet local as well as international, sometimes, poets through the book festival. But we're featuring local poems of summer, and we've got another recording for you. Which one is this one? Is this Maria Davis? This is
2: Maria Davis. This is... Just It's a really a, a lovely, interesting take on, uh, on some uh, nature in, in Utah, and um, I thought it was a fun one. Hello, my name is Maria Mortensen Davis.
0: I'm a poet living in Linden. The title of this poem is Floating Henry's Fork. What I mean is that a poem about a moose is not the same as the cold water ache in my shins, is not the warm burn of my shoulders, the brightness of my gravelly feet, The orange raft drifting slowly past it as it drank. How I wanted to squat behind the raft and pee into that same river. I do not mean to be vulgar. I mean it stood there and passed its judgment on the world, legs like lodgepole pines so black. What I mean is I was there for a long time after, holding the raft standing up to my knees in the snake. This is Maria Mortenson Davis. You can find me on Instagram at davis. Floating Henry's Fork by poet Maria Davis right here on Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones in conversation with Trish Hopkinson of um, Rock Canyon Poets. And poetry still happens, which Trish, gosh, has it been three or four years now that we've had you on on a semi-regular basis to tout the literary arts, especially poetry in
2: the Beehive State? Yes, at least that. I'd probably have to go check, but I bet it's been (laughs) at least four years.
0: Well, and the literary arts at the Utah Arts Festival in August was really incredible. So congratulations to you and everyone else who who worked on that. We did a show, and if you check the show notes tonight, I'll put a link to those conversations in advance of the art festival, Arts Festival that happened in August. We have one more poem to share from the forthcoming Poems of Summer from Radioactive and our friends at Rock Canyon Poets, Trish Hopkinson in particular, doing all the curating of the poetry. We've
2: got one more poet to share tonight. Who is it, and what's this poem? This poem is entitled Verbless, and it was shared with us by Masha Shukovic. She's, I believe, out of Salt Lake County. Really great uh, performer. So, so this one's
1: definitely a treat. Hi, my name is Masha Shukovic. I'm a Salt Lake City-based writer and poet with ancestry and indigenous roots in the Balkans, the Mediterranean, and West, Central, and Northeast Asia. My pronouns are she and they. The title of this poem is "Verbless." and he was inspired by my and my daughter's remote schooling experience this past year. Verbless. My daughter is in third grade, but she also isn't. She's home all the time, and she has become the wizard of Zoom and can change her Zoom name to belly button fuzzy pants pumpkin in the blink of an eye and make her small room disappear into a web of greenery. Or turn it into the Golden Gate Bridge, now that some backgrounds are free for all. If your computer can carry their weight. Mine cannot. Its old, dusty keyboard is starting to peel and reveal its bones, made of X's and O's. But the one they gave my daughter at school can. She's doing her verb assessment today, and she looks up from the page as we work side by side at our kitchen table, and says sadness seeping into her voice like melting snow when it surprises the nape of your neck. I think we lost too many verbs. I'm struggling with my own wounded nouns and adjectives, and I don't understand what she means until I look at her page and see sentence after sentence that someone wrote in the blissful haze of pre-COVID times Of things like, kids were climbing on monkey bars, and we ate at a new restaurant last weekend, and my cousins came to visit on Friday, and I went to the aquarium with grandma, and friends came over for lemonade, and we ate pie with neighbors, and I tried yogurt samples at the store today, and... We stopped by Amy's house to meet her new puppy. And Carlos whispered a joke into my ear at recess. And I am suddenly caught utterly verbless. And all I can think of is past tense and how simple it was. And past perfect, but never appreciated enough. And I feel like present continuous has got me by the throne and it's squeezing, squeezing until a teardrop lands on my daughter's assignment and makes a little pool around the word love in a sentence about the earth and reminds me of a tiny magnifying glass that enlarges and illuminates everything and guides me slowly back to my still beating heart and my daughters beside me. So I loosen my grip around the old verbs and whisper a blessing to the new ones and the wind and the sun and the mountain snow melting, melting in early summer heat like there's nothing more important to do than to become empty and soft like water and to let yourself flow this is Masha Shukovich and you can find me on Utah Trails and online at com or follow me on Instagram at masha writes poet masha shukovich
0: and her poem verbless one of the Many poems that will be in the Radioactive chapbook coming out. And Masha, Maria, and Austin, there's your Poetry Still happen snaps for you. <laughs> and just three of the recordings submitted with written submissions for our Poems of Summer chapbook. book. We just need to get the art done. That's on me. And we hope to have it out before the end of the year. And uh, maybe we can even do a, a Zoom reading with some of the po- poets. What do you think, Trish? I think that's
2: something we could do pretty easily. Yeah, that would yeah. be great.
0: If you're looking for poetry happenings around the Beehive State, Trish has a great monthly post about it.
2: Where can people find it, Trish? Just go to rockcanyonpoets.com and you'll see Poetry Still Happens right on the menu. It'll take you right there. Check tonight's show notes for a link. And Trish,
0: thanks so much. This was fun. I can't wait to have the printed chat book in our hands, and that is forthcoming. But we wanted folks to hear a bit of what is coming their way from our Poems of Summer project,
2: Trish. Thank you so much for joining in with me on it. It was really fun to work on. Let's go out with a song. I know you've got a favorite or two that deals with poetry. Yeah, um, this one uh, by Dessa. It's called Dutch. She
0: what talks left? about
2: Sylvia Plath on the dash.
0: Sylvia Plath on The Dash. It's Dutch by Dessa on KRCL 90.9. See you, Trish. Bye. Hey, mind your step. I keep the overhead low. Just the bed and the books and the rotary phone. Chicago
4: Manual of Style keeps the prose right. Crisp Minneapolis edition. Well, it goes like this. Well, I talk way too fast. I shoot from a glass. I keep poking the glove box. Plath on The
0: Dash and there's nobody shotgun. I got enough gas to get Vegas by daybreak. I'm not coming back. I'm pushing this life all. The way to the coast I'm throwing it over just to see if it floats I'm taking my chances I'm making my own Cause I've been pretty impatient I'm ready to go I'm the book that beat the speed reader And I'm the car the dealers won't touch And it's just not true I'm a man-eater All the same We should probably go touch I'm the book that beat the speed reader And I'm the car the dealers won't touch And it's just not true I'm a man-eater all the same. We should probably go Dutch. So careful, kid,
2: with that. You can help folks in need in our community this winter by donating new and gently used cold weather clothing to nonprofits like the Road Home and Volunteers of America. To find a clothing drive and drop off info, visit carecl.org. This is Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7,
0: Democracy Now!, followed by Emily's Mixtape at 8. Maximum Distortion, Utah's only heavy metal radio show with Forgash and Cody D starts at 1030. Two hours of Punk and Ska, Rude Awakening at three with Liz. You can hear the last two weeks of any show on KRCL on our website, krcl.org. Click the programming tab for the on-demand button. Right now, it's time to meet the DJ, our series highlighting the origin stories of KRCL's volunteer corps. Let's pass that microphone.
5: Hello, my name is Yvonne Nash, and my show is Tala Kola on Sunday, every Sunday, from 10 to 12. The story about it, because remember, our show, the first part of it is is public uh, affair show, and then we play music. Tala means to tell, Kola means gold, golden uh, matches, very important matches. That's what Tala Kola means. We are telling uh, really important matches for the people to in our community, to listen to. And what language is that in? That is in Tongan. That's the Tongan language. And we do our show in Tongan language. We are bilingual.
0: When did Talacola sign on the air?
5: We, I first started in 1988 with the voice of Polynesia. And then we go on. And in 2000, we become, I then I had the Talacola. And from there on, we go on until now.
0: Tell us the story of discovering KRCL or bringing this idea of a bilingual show, uh, Tongan Samoan Pacific Islanders, to KRCL.
5: Okay, you know, when it, when, I tele- when KRCL first started in 1979, uh, that was when I was at home and I was listening to it. And then on uh, KRCL, they have a program where they invite everybody from all different ethnic backgrounds to do a show in their own language, their own way. Then in that time we have all different, we have Chinese, we have Spanish, we have, have all different kinds. And then uh, we wanted to do a Pacific Islander a Polynesian show where we call the voice of Polynesia, where we it was a very first time ever that we have a radio that, that can broadcast music in our own language and different, all different people that live here in Salt Lake City speak their own different languages. Like the Spanish come on to all their program. I know that all in Spanish, the Chinese, the Vietnamese, the African-American, and then the Pacific Islander uh, come in. And then we, uh, we do all the music for all the Pacific Islander. We have the Samoan, the Tongan, the Fijian, the Hawaiian, and it was hosted by one of our, uh, Mrs. Um, Helen Selu, and she passed away, and we keep going on. But that was why I was interested, and we were listening to it. And I was just a listener, then I started to come and volunteer. That's how
0: we get you, right? We, we get you to come and volunteer.
5: Yes, I just volunteer. And then when um, the lady and the gentleman before me, you know, they're getting older then I just stay on. And I love the show because, you know, it's every week to me now. But I love it because I give information to our listener.
0: And it's grown so much. It now has a global reputation, thanks to Internet and the support of our listeners.
5: Yes, it's growing so much. You know, around 90s, when they had the, the war, we have a group of soldiers that come from Tonga and they listen to us from there. And all of a sudden, one night, uh, they are on, on saying, oh, we are listening. We are we were on the field, and then we came back and turned on our radio. There was internet, and we hear dong and voice, and we are regular. You know, can you imagine people out there in a war zone listening to us if they can? Yeah, it was really humbling.
0: In fact, I think you were telling me a story when we first met about how You went overseas, maybe it was Australia, New Zealand, and you were surprised at how many folks knew your show.
5: Yes, that was in the early '20s. We have an international diabetes um, conference and a Tongan history uh, conference, and uh, one of the hosts was Fahina Basi, was with me, and we were presenting. And then the people that were listening on the outside, the building, they can hear our voice and they say, this is Yvonne, either Yvonne, we can hear her voice. We're gonna go in and see who she really looked like. Remember that time there was no thing like this. There was no Zoom or stuff, We just hear the radio. I was so surprised when people come in and say, we hear your voice, so that's you. (laughs) They recognize us by our voice. They still do now, because I just, Came back from Hawaii, and people over there just recognize my voice. And some of them I don't know; they're younger people, but they recognize my voice as from KRCL uh, radio, ninety point nine FM KRCL, Talaqola.
0: So tell us about Hawaii and what you were doing over there recently.
5: Uh, I just went there for a Tongan History uh, Research uh, Association conference. They held it every two years and where the um schoolers, they present on the Tongan history. It was really touching. It was really nice that I can see lots of uh, Tongan people, young, young uh, people who become, get their PhD degree and they do research about the history of Tonga and to know that the real Tongan people write, write their own history. It's not somebody else who come to the island and write, and write your history. And that was very, really nice. And I, I tell you that um, they were talking and they were talking about 90.9 RCL at Tala They're gonna broadcast our uh, conference. So we were the only radio over there that can broadcast it because we did it right away for all the people uh, in the world to listen to the conference
0: in fact you've developed quite an online presence for the show and you have really taken to heart the ability to to um, use social media and zoom et cetera, to bring folks into your show and as we get back live more of that going to be happening again in our new studios yes what is it what is it you hear from around the world from the diaspora of pacific islanders that they they really want to hear especially from tala to, to, like you
5: said, tell their story for themselves. Do you know what, uh, during this uh, COVID-19, on on the third Sunday of every month, we have a special show. We have a local Utah pharmacist who speak the Tongan language. And his name is uh, Siweakupu. He's a rotating pharmacist on Walgreens, Walmart, and all those stuff. And what he do, he talk about the COVID-19, and he talk about the immunization and the people call in and ask him about the medication that they take. And, and that is a really popular show because every people around the world tune in to listen to Talacola, especially on that, that's their only, um, some of them, they don't go to doctors and stuff like that, but they listen to the show. And some of them even call in and say, why do I take this medication? But the pharmacist can explain it to them, and that is a blessing to have a time on uh, KRCL, so we can be able to help people around the world during this COVID nineteen time.
0: And then hearing it from someone who speaks the same language as they do, and can say, "No, here's the real information." Being able to share that sounds invaluable.
5: That is that is a a blessing. That is a blessing that we have, that we have this uh, radio that allow us to give the information out in our own language, especially for people who do not speak the language. And when they hear someone tell them this kind of medication is good, uh, encourage them, go take your immunization, it's still good, you're not gonna be an alien or you're not gonna turn to become something else. Look at me, I took mine. that's an A plus. That is, a, you know, to me, I I'm so thankful to KRCL to give us that platform, give us that opportunity to reach to our community, not only in Utah but around the world that they listen to us.
0: Let's talk about the music side. Like you said, the first part of the show is public affairs, community affairs, health information, but then you go into music, and I'm hoping you can describe for folks that may have not tuned in to Talakola. Uh, the, the the sounds that you share and then name some names. And I do want to play some music as part of your Meet the DJ feature.
5: Okay. Uh, after our public affair show, we turn into our music part, which is the last hour, half hour of our show. And we tried to bring in the old music and the new music. Uh, music that is, because we have lots of senior citizens listening. And then we have young youth people who, are local here who do their own recording and stuff like that, and we have them play their music. Um, it's really, really nice because you can tell the difference. Uh, the old music it's kind of soothing, and it's good for the older people. The young generation come around, live it up, and and we play some of their music, and we really like that. So if I tell people. Uh, to listen to us. We play all kinds of Pacific Islander music during that, that last hour of our show.
0: Now I want folks to know a little bit more about you, Yvonne. You've talked a lot about, you know, the, the way you serve the community, but what would they be surprised to know about you?
5: Oh, I like to be a captain of a cruise ship so I can, so I can take them around and the only radio they listen to is 90.9 KLCL. <laughs> oh,
0: man. That's that's what you want to be when you grow up, captain of a cruise ship. <laughs> and I still
5: I'm I still want to. <laughs> of, uh, so I can travel around the world and I'm the captain and I can control my, the, I can tell them, can you turn into 90.9 FM KrCL and listen to our music? I love that radio.
0: (laughs) What do your family and friends say about your show on KRCL and, and the work you do there?
5: They love it. And they no matter where they are in the world, I got families in Australia, Fiji, Tonga, in London, where they on Sunday they turn in because that's the only time they see us and connect to what's going on in here. Well,
0: it sounds like you live the power of community radio to connect people.
5: Thank you. Do you know, um, I like to share that uh, Tala received an award from the OCA. OCA is Organization of Chinese American and it's called Spirit of the Community because of our show, of the Talacola show where we uh, let every people in the community know what's going on here in Salt Lake City and play all different kinds of, of uh, musics and songs that they request. We open it up for request. yeah.
0: Do you have a ritual for putting your show together or reaching out to other people to bring them in?
5: Yes. We try to, to like on the first Sunday of every month, we try to reach out to specialists in their special field, like when it's uh, diabetes, when it's mental health, when it's civic engagement and civil rights stuff like that. What happened in the summer with the police department? We try to get the specialists in that area, even get them and let them be a host. We talk to them on our radio show and try to introduce them to our community so they can so they know each other very well. You're
0: also outside of Talakola involved in the National Tongan American Society and planning festivals and events. It's a, a large community. Of Pacific Islanders here in Utah, can you describe it a little bit for us?
5: Yes, it's Alaska. I'm the, the program director for the National Tongan American Society, and one of the co-founder. Um, and we we plan all our festivals, like uh, we we hold here in Salt Lake City the largest Tongan festival in the, in the out of Tonga, in the United States, which is we hold it at Jordan Park, Erie, August and we have uh, 5, 000, three 000 to 5,000 people that walk through it. And uh, it's because the community, working together with the community, if you don't know your community very well, and they come in and help you, like how they jump in and help us with K-Up, with our radio on Tala Cola, then I think the community is the best part of it. The community are the people that help you with everything and we put together the program and on uh like on uh, in december we put a christmas music festival and that's one of a big event where we invite all different kind of uh interfaith the interfaith uh, coalition we have an interfaith coalition we get together and sing like how we celebrate christmas in tonga we don't give gift to each other we get together and sing uh, Christmas songs and stuff and it has been going for 20 years plus every Sunday except last year. Except last year, I understand. Oh, last year we do it on Talacola. We do we yes, we do it on Talacola. So
0: you know I love the festivals that you put together because it helps folks preserve their culture but also share it. Do you find that it creates greater understanding between Pacific Islanders and yes. uh, everybody yes. else?
5: We love the festival because we want to share with everybody in in Salt Lake City or in Utah we want them to know who we are and and uh, and know our culture and know who their neighbors are so that way we can get along fine and know know our different cultures
0: well how can people get in touch with you about supporting you volunteering with you the next you is what you need to find i'm guessing as the years go by
5: yes I they, they can contact me at a, a National Tongan American Society or at Talacola at the radio. It's so funny I want to bring back a memory you know before we before this time the people Pacific Islander that came to Utah and want to know about me they go to KLCL and say we want to talk to Ivoni and there was a lady her name is Donna she used to be the executive director she said, come on Sundays. <laughs> They go to GRCL and look for me.
0: (laughs) Well, we will soon have the studio live again, and they can do that all over, Ivoni. Thank you so much. For folks that can't see you, you have this beautiful lei on. Can you tell us the story of the lei?
5: The lei is uh, the Pacific Islander put it on you. Uh, It's just like when they greet you, they give you a kiss and give you a lei. This one that I made, that I wear now, is made out of... uh, Mile leaves and the flower, and it's a thank you uh, lay that was given to me by my grandchildren on Mother's Day of this year.
0: I want to play something that you would play on your show to wrap our conversation. Okay, is there a particular song that you would like to go out with?
5: Look for Balo Messi. My name is Yvonne Malofo Nash. I'm I'm the host of Balacola at ninety point nine FM. And it's nice seeing you and Dr. You. I'll leave you with this song, Palo Messi.
0: Thanks, Ivani. Thank you very much, Flo. Bonnie Nash, host of Talacola. Sunday nights from 10 to midnight, one of the longest-running programs on KRCL. All of our programs happen because of you. Radiothon is coming up October 29th. I'm Laura Jones. Thank you for tuning in to Radioactive tonight. I'll leave you with a bit of Bob Marley right here. Is This Love on KRCL 90.9.